0: I have a joke for you.
1: Oh, that's how you're introducing our, our podcast this week. Yep. Okay. Are you ready? Me. Is it a knock knock joke? Cause my kids are really big on oh, knock knock jokes. Oh, it's a knock-knock don't knock knock
0: joke. Tell them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hit me. Knock knock. Who's there? Cows. Cows who? No cows go moo. You're not going to
1: have any listeners left if you do this. Everybody's like, no, I had I'm to. done. That's it.
0: I had to. My daughter, we were coming home from school yesterday, and she goes, Mom, I have a joke
1: for you. Oh, this you. is her joke.
0: This is her joke. Wow. Now, whether she heard it or created it, I have yet to get the <laughs> details. But she goes, Mom, I have a joke for you. And I was like, OK, mm-hmm. she loved it.
1: So, mm-hmm. cows who? She understands the humor better than <laughs> some of my children do with knock knock jokes. <laughs>
0: It's good. It's really fun, you know? It's good to lighten up and be a kid once in a while. There you go. There you go. Anyway, I thought that'd be a fun opener today for us.
1: Yeah. You'll have to ask the listeners. I guess I don't know. Yeah,
0: we'll have to take a poll who liked my (laughs) knock-knock joke.
1: Do you really want to go there?
0: You can catch uh, Pastor Brad on Sunday and let him know. <laughs> there we
1: go. Let me give. We're open to <laughs> feedback here at Midweek in the Word.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, in all seriousness, you tackled 1 Corinthians 16. Most of it. And uh, got a bone to pick. I thought we were going to get all the way through it.
1: I did, too. That's going to come up later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, so uh... I noticed there was a small section we missed, so I'm sure you're going to explain what happened there. I will. I will, but, yes. Um. whatever the reason was... You you were able to bring the word that God had you bring because it was an excellent message. And um, I was personally convicted on giving. Mm. I really appreciated um, your takeaways on that. And just the whole message in general pointed us back to generous giving and living our lives in light of what Christ has done.
1: Yeah. If, if people weren't there on Sunday, um, obviously, we... we, we we got to the end of Paul's letter. You know, this is mm-hmm. the moment when like everybody, this is the salutation. This is kind of the final closing words. What is he going to say? And, and we tend to kind of discard those sort of things intuitively as you know, 21st century Americans, because we wrap up letters with thanks, you know, and that's, it. <laughs> and that's our salutation <laughs> right. or, or nothing. We and
0: we just boom, exactly. And,
1: and here Paul has like a whole chapter. That's basically this, extended salutation which makes sense if you think about it you know like you don't have instant email you don't have instant communication through cell phones you don't have this quick response and so if somebody took the time and they're going to write a letter and they're going to have somebody hand deliver it and go however many miles to send this letter to somebody you're like well there's a lot of things i want to say and so there's some greetings and there's some closing words and there's a benediction and there's all these different pieces and so as we tried to walk through that i i wanted us to give due diligence to just the practical nature of Paul's conversation, because it's easy to kind of get off on theological things and forget, like, Paul wants to be infinitely practical here. You know, he's not just some hypothetical theologian. He's explaining this theology so that they can... Function better as a church, so that they can operate better as a church. And so he he walks through kind of three different things. He, he talks about this collection for the saints in Jerusalem, and then he talks about um, these impending travel plans of people coming to visit Corinth. And then yeah. he gives kind of some final instructions and words for the Corinthian church. And the first section we, we titled Generous Giving, that we should um, pursue generous giving. And here, here is where Paul lays out, look, I want you to take up this collection. And likely it was the Corinthian church's idea, where he's saying there's this need, there's these believers in Jerusalem. Them. They're suffering, they're, they're poor, they need help. And so he's taking up this collection from other churches and he's setting up the, the structure that's going to help them take that collection up. And so we talked about how generous giving is this team activity where we all kind of pool our funds together mm-hmm. to try and care for people. And we have the right people steward it. And we talked about how our giving should be regular and it should be all of us giving, and it should be, you know, intentional and on purpose and proactive and entrusted to faithful people who will take that and run with it. And so that was that was one of the points of emphasis. Then as he talked about the travel plans, the thing that really struck me there is like Paul is encouraging these proactive partnerships with these other ministers, right? Paul has moved on from the Corinthian church. He you know, preached there at one point, but he's moved on. And Apollos had preached there at one point, he's moved on. And Paul is sending Timothy, his protege, to come and visit this mm-hmm. church. And so there's there's this larger network of churches, of believers that are working together to pursue the ministry of the church. And so we talked about trying to pursue proactive partnerships and how we should do that as individual believers, not thinking I'm the one that's going to solve all the problems of the church and I'm going to be the answer to the church's yeah. issues. Yeah. And you know, if I just do this one ministry, then everything's going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and also churches, you know, partnering with other local churches and we got the chance to highlight the Country Bible Church plant that's coming up here shortly and we'll be coming back to that more uh, so if that's interesting for our listeners. Um, So this idea of kind of partnering and how do we receive visitors and these messengers Mm -hmm. and how do we help move them along in their ministry and promote them and things like that. And then lastly he talked about these these last final instructions and there's a variety of things he's calling them to but he, he both praises and encourages just simple service you know, people just being faithful to the church. And that and that's most of what makes a church happen. You know, people tend to think of the, the preacher or the worship mm-hmm. leader or, you know, these big movements and, you know, things. But most of what takes place in a church yeah. is just simple, proactive relational ministry, people encouraging each other, people challenging each other, mm-hmm. people um, meeting practical needs and, and things like that. And so he walked through a number of different kind of attitude postures that we're supposed to take in the church that just promote unity and promote service. And it's just practical stuff. And so he Encourages them some, and he he says there's some people looking to looking to uh, come come back after they've delivered this letter, and there's some people that have have done a good job, and you need to encourage them. And oh, by the way, these other churches also greet you, and you should greet and welcome one another. And so, just some really practical things. Um, but ultimately, the thing that I couldn't get away from in the whole vibe of the letter is Paul doesn't end the letter with some some. Uh, waxing eloquent on some theological mm-hmm. point, he he ends with this practical stuff that's basically just saying, hey guys, Christianity in the church is a team sport. Yeah, It's not all about you. It's not all on you. It's mm-hmm. not all because of you. It's not all for your glory. Yeah. It's not all of these things. Like, Which has been there's...
0: very consistent through 1 Corinthians. Yes. It's not about you.
1: Exactly. Because again, yeah. he's confronting that spiritual arrogance and that independence and that I mean in, in america it's this individuality right it's this hyper expressive individualism that we think we're all about as if we're the first people to ever suffer from that in in the history of the world uh, but paul really stresses that even in the practical nature because he's like it's true of your theology that you are one in christ it is it is true in your theology that the the church is called to be a body it is true that you're not called to be divided between leaders and, and functionally, in the way you give your money and in the way you accept partnerships with other ministries and the way you instruct and encourage and serve each other, all of that needs to bleed this team mentality being unified behind Christ.
0: Yeah, you started the message with asking us, is yeah. basically, is Christianity a team sport or an individual sport? And I yeah. thought, where are we going to go with this? And,
1: <laughs> yes. you know,
0: and you brought it back to one of faith's core values, sacrificial mm-hmm. body life. We give, we go, and do for the purpose of meeting the needs. Yeah. And uh, do you have any part of that that you just went over that you thought, oh, I wish I had five more minutes to talk about? Okay, so that's part of my answer. Like I
1: had prepared all of chapter sixteen to preach on Sunday. Okay. And I got into like Friday, and the whole thing's outlined, and I'm starting Mm -hmm. to work on application, and I'm just going, this is too long. This is too much. I can't you didn't cover. Want to rush. Yeah, because there's so much practical mm-hmm. stuff in there. I'm like, I don't want to just shortchange the giving portion because that's something we need to talk about. And I don't want to shortchange these ministry visits because that's something we need to talk about. And well,
0: and the challenge that when we do give, that's why again, those who are your leadership matter. Those who are yeah. stewarding the ministries and the finances of faith. Yeah. We 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 forget that all the work that they put in to well, steward it well.
1: And there was so many practical things that it's easy for people to forget about mm-hmm. when it comes to that. You know, like the stewardship team, teams yeah. that meet and like the process for budgeting and, and like the, the team that, that counts the money after services. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all that sort of stuff is just practical ministry that people don't think twice about most of the yeah. time.
0: And you had a great encouragement with that. I hope some of our listeners yeah. on Sunday took your exhortation and reached out to those that um, are serving and volunteering yeah. that just need to hear thank you.
1: Yeah, and that appreciation for the simple service, that's that's probably the biggest thing that I felt like got shortchanged. Mm-hmm. So so obviously I had these last yeah. four verses that uh, I didn't get the chance to cover. We will cover those this Sunday and they okay. will be kind of the paradigm for our, because they are the closing words that Paul writes in his own hand. And so there's kind of the final thing he wants to leave them with. And I think they do give us a hint as to the paradigm and the point he's been trying to make through the whole book of 1 Corinthians. So we'll cover these four verses and we'll walk back through the entirety of 1 Corinthians basically saying like, what is the point? What is 1 Corinthians all about? Um, but from Uh, what actually got delivered on Sunday, even of what I had, probably the portion that I felt really got the the least time that I wasn't able to cover as much as I would have liked to was that last section about simple service. Hmm. And in those sections, Paul highlights um, what I called five unity building postures, kind of some attitudes that if we would take a hold of these They would help build unity, and they would help build community, and they would help build the effectiveness within the church. Um, So I just want to walk back through those. And I I was hoping to get a little dialogue about the application, what that looks like in our lives, and things like that. Um, So the first one that that I encourage, that he encourages here in verse 13, is this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Um, And this, I, I just call it watchful strength. This idea of trying to maintain both doctrinal strength and also ethical strength, you know, trying to make sure that our lives live up to the doctrine that we preach. Hmm. And, and the thing that's so intriguing to me there is because the Corinthian church did not struggle so much with doctrinal issues, you know. He doesn't go down. He has to correct some things on the resurrection, but he's not addressing some of the, the doctrinal issues. He addresses it's like with the Galatians, where he's like, "Well, you guys are getting off the doctrine. You're worried about the law, you know." Is it more and,
0: behavioral. Yeah, are it's more actions? really. They're
1: just not living it very yeah. well. They're just not. They're just not doing church the way they say they should do church. Okay if I can say that. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the verse that came to mind there, as far as how we engage in this sort of watchful strength, the, the passage that really seems related to that is 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. I, I love the way Paul lays out both of these priorities for P- Timothy as his protege, which Timothy was one of the ones he was sending too, right? So it's, it, it's an interesting That's parallel. Right. He says this, and he says when leading the church, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you've been given, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. You see, he's laying out these two things. He's like, teach these things and live these things. And then verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself, your actions, your activity, your life, and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This idea that, like, effectiveness in ministry and effectiveness in proclaiming the gospel and seeing people come to a saving knowledge involves both correct doctrine and correct moral living. Like this living in accordance with the doctrine that we preach. And that's that Mm -hmm. idea of standing firm in the faith, standing firm on doctrine, but also acting like men, being strong, actually doing it. It's easy to say it. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to actually Mm -hmm. live that sort of watchful strength when it comes to, to the way live we live our consistently. lives. Yeah, that's, exactly.
0: That's the hard part.
1: Exactly. You know, so, I mean, it, it's worth it's worth asking at times of ourselves, am I just saying this and we're actually doing this? Hmm. You know, in the book of James, it talks about, you know, a man who looks in the mirror. The word of God is like a man who looks in the mirror and he sees, but then if he goes away and doesn't do anything about it, there's yeah. a huge problem there. Yeah. Right? It seems it's, a little silly. Like, yeah, just exactly. looked in the mirror. Exactly. So he encourages them, you know, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of it. Like, anybody could build up a big mm-hmm. biblical knowledge. I'm not saying that isn't something we should pursue, but actually living it out is something that takes the Spirit's work in our lives and takes um, growing in maturity and, and a relationship, a genuine relationship with Christ. And so I, I would just encourage our listeners as they think through that idea, go like, is that, is that true of me? Would my life be um, typified by a strength of resolve? Do I know what I believe and do I know why I believe it from the Bible? And then... I'm actually living it.
0: So start there, application wise. Ask those questions and then work from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. It's, it's, because again, it's, uh, let me give you an illustration. Okay, yeah. it's like if I if I were to go into a classroom and I would ask somebody, well, do you do you understand algebra? Hmm. And they're like, well, algebra is this thing, right, where there's numbers and then you have these you have these x equals, you know, whatever, and all this sort of a stuff, and of they words can conceptualize. That some of us will
0: never understand.
1: <laughs> well, see, that's my point, right? You know, it's like one of those things where I'm going, okay, so they, they kind of have a concept for algebra, which maybe that would be you. Oh, ha- totally, you me. know, have a sense totally. for the, what algebra is supposed to look like. But then if I put an algebra problem in front of you and you can't solve it, like, no, 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 you don't understand algebra. So let's say, for instance, that you can give me a four-point outline for what agape love looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay, but Mm -hmm. are you doing those Mm -hmm. things? You know, are you patient and kind? Are you not envious or Mm -hmm. boasting? Are you arrogant? Are you rude? Are you believing all things, enduring all things? You know, I mean, those are the sort of questions we've got to ask ourselves. It's, it's not more often than not what we don't know in the word that we have the most problem with. It's what we know, but we're like, ah, I just need to learn more. Well, no, you just need to put into practice what you've learned yeah. already. Right. Yeah. And we need that constant, you know, don't hear me saying that we don't need the word. We need the word to shape and mold and to correct and That's to rebuke right. and all of these things that we talk about consistently, you know. But it also means living it out. And, and I think we need to be... Willing to know when we're hypocritical in our lives, when we're claiming something with our doctrine that that isn't true of us. And the answer isn't that like, oh, I'm a terrible Christian because I fail. The answer is no repentance and returning to Christ, you know, because that strength comes from... Leaning on the source of strength that we have, right? It comes from leaning on Christ. It comes from realizing that we don't have the strength in and of ourselves, and we have to be dependent upon Christ to change things. So, so that idea of watchful strength was one that I, that I thought was really worth considering. We've already talked about love already, but verse fourteen talks mm-hmm. about comprehensive love. This Aliyah, let everything you do be done in love. Yeah, I'm just like that. That's that's again. That's that's a.
0: Can I say that really everything I've bar. done so far today? <laughs> Yes. was done in
1: love. I mean, here in First Corinthians, Paul has laid out a number of... He's He's been extremely loving to this church. He's been loving enough to write this letter. He's been loving enough to preach to them. He's been loving enough to risk offense. You know, his love... Let me just... I mean, just walk through the letter a little bit. His yeah. love calls out sexual immorality in the church, mm-hmm. right? His love calls out the church for suing each other, Yes, right? His love holds up the example of biblical marriage and calls out divorce as an offense to that. Paul's love speaks to the singles and speaks to the marriage and says, you've got to be dependent upon God in whatever season he's placed Mm -hmm. you. You know, Paul's love says love limits liberty. It, It makes us pull back from what we want to do for the sake of other people. Paul's love led him to surrender his rights and not take a wife and not be paid and not get all these benefits he could have gotten as an apostle, right? His love speaks to the way we should operate when we gather together, the way we should take the Lord's Supper and not just be all about ourselves, but be about other people. It speaks to the way we exercise our spiritual gifts in the church, that we shouldn't be all about ourselves, but should be done for other people, Right? All the way through 1 Corinthians has been laying out this love. And he's like, sometimes this love is an affection and a bearing with each other and helping each other and kind of the more sentimental way we tend to think of love. And sometimes this love is the way you discipline your kids.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's like if – I tell my kids all the time when, when I'm talking to them about discipline, I'm like, look, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do this. Yeah. Because if I didn't love you enough to make me hurt in this moment. Right because I didn't care about your future, right. then I wouldn't do this to you.
0: I found myself saying that as well to the, yeah. to my kids. I, this isn't easy, and I love you, and that's why I'm choosing yeah. to do the hard thing.
1: Yeah. It, you know, when I was growing up, my, my parents would always say, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you.
0: Which is very irritating when you're it's a child, It's very right? irritating
1: as a kid, and you don't understand it until you have your own kids, that's and you right. go, wow, this is hard. Yeah. It is way harder to do the loving thing that's right. hard mm-hmm. than it is to do the easy thing and ignore challenge. Yes. You know, and so because this idea... will
0: benefit them later in life.
1: Yeah. I was, you have to do it for their good, right. right? Because if I, if I'm, if I am uh, most worried about the way I feel, I just want to be buddies with my kids. You know, I just <laughs> want them to like me. I don't want to have to fight about why they're not going to bed. and I don't want to have to fight about <laughs> what they're eating for supper. And I don't want right. to have to fight about getting in the car. Right. And right. like, I don't want to fight about any of those things just if I want to be about myself. Yeah. But if I want to be doing what's best for them then we're going to have some fights. Yep. And that's essentially what more Paul is saying in the church. Yeah. Like there's some things that you're going to have to do that are hard. It's going to hurt. And so rather than celebrating sin and just saying, oh, we're just so overwhelmed with grace that we're not addressing this sin, right? Because right. that's what he does in 1 Corinthians 5, right? You allow this in your church and then you boast. Mm-hmm. Like how ridiculous is that? But that's what they thought. You know, we're more gracious than God. We're more loving than God. We don't have to worry about these sort of things. And so trying to embrace this sort of comprehensive love, mm-hmm. that love involves both doing the affectionate thing and doing the hard thing. Yeah. You know, and and I would encourage, I mean, we've had some some tough weeks talking through those subjects yeah. as a church in 1st Corinthians and you know, we went back and talked about Matthew 18 and
0: yeah.
1: a lot of hard subjects, but that is love. That is. Right? That. You know, cuz God is the definition of love and God sent Christ to die for our sins and Hebrews also says that that the father disciplines the son whom he loves. Like, discipline is a form of love as well. And so trying to recognize that and trying to say, am I putting that person before myself? That's what's loving, right? Mm -hmm. Self-sacrificial, saying I'm going to choose to do what's best for them rather than what's best for me in every moment at every time. Um, And so challenging our listeners to consider that for themselves and say, like, is that my attitude? No, you're not going to be perfect at it. Nobody's Mm -hmm. perfect at it. You know, but we know who is the definition of love, and he'll help you be loving if you ask. That's right. Um, And And he's given
0: us the manual to do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. In his word. Exactly. And that really is and again, if that's an issue for you, go back and memorize Hebrew or 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Like that definition and those categories and be like, how am I doing? And ask a friend, like, how am I doing? Is this me? You know, I've those often even sometimes
0: written it out, put, yeah. it, put it somewhere where I can see it over and over and over if I'm working on a challenge or yes. like you said, that application, keeping it in front of you, really taking time to evaluate it.
1: Yes. And I, and I think that's kind of the idea that we see in multiple places. I mean, Psalm 119 that talks about the word of the Lord, you know, and this idea of putting the word in our hearts, you know, so that we won't sin against God i think is really critical and so yeah i would encourage people to do that write it out memorize it find ways to get it in front of you that will change it. it'll keep it at the forefront yeah so this idea of this this strength this watchful mm-hmm. strength and this comprehensive love and then again we didn't have much time to talk about it but verse 15 and 16 his encouragement there is toward submissive service and this is this is tricky right i'm, I'm going to cut out the section in the middle where he addresses kind of Stephanus and okay but uh now i urge you brothers be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Like that's his encouragement. Right? And I think he addresses both sides of it. You know, Like Hebrews 13, verse 17, talks about submitting and obeying your leaders. And I think mm-hmm. that's what he has in mind with these people. They founded the church. They were hosting the church. They were devoting themselves to the service of the saints. Probably there's some official leadership capacity. Sure. they are elders in the church. they are some formal leadership, something like that. But then he also encourages this idea of submission to other workers and laborers and to every fellow worker and laborer, which is very much what we find in you know, Ephesians 5, 21 this idea of submitting to one another. And so there's that reality at play too, but that becomes a real issue for us because like mm-hmm. that like that goes against everything that's in us. Like we we hate authority and we hate having to re- be responsible to someone right. for our actions. You know, and you see it at every level. Like I see it in my kids and the frustration with me i see it in myself and my frustration toward the government i see it in myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my frustration toward you know bosses and mm-hmm. and and we see it in the church frustration toward leadership there too that's right. and it's just, it's a hard thing to do it yeah. is a really hard thing to do um, to say cuz nobody can make you submit like there's no forceful submission i mean you can somebody can like overpower you that's right but submission is a volitional intentional thing where you're saying, I'm going to choose to follow the leadership of another. That's right. And it doesn't matter what the context is. That's hard.
0: Very hard sometimes.
1: It Because it's, it's great as long as they do everything you want them to do. <laughs> You know, but the minute... Yeah,
0: submitting to the same ideas as you is not that challenging. Yeah.
1: Like I was going to say, if if there was the perfect government out there that yeah. Brad had designed and they just did everything <laughs> I chose to do at every moment, it would never be a challenge. That's I right. would never have to worry about this, you know the commands in Scripture to submit to the government. That's right. I would just like, I don't have to worry about First Peter. I don't have to worry about Romans 13. These aren't <laughs> issues for me because, you know, this is the government of Brad. <laughs> right. yeah. But for he some wrote reason, it exactly how
0: I needed to, to live it.
1: Exactly. Yep. But for some yep. reason, God thought that we didn't do well yeah. when we function in our own autonomy, just mm-hmm. doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. We all know intuitively that anarchy is chaos. Mm-hmm. Like anarchy is absolute chaos. Nobody wins in that environment. Yeah. But then the rubber meets the road and right. we're the ones that have to submit to what we're being called to do and to submit to each other. You know, I think that that's part of like you just you read that into the rest of First Corinthians and you go, why were they fighting about leaders? And why were they fighting about morality and their way to approach these situations? And why were they fighting about their rights and freedoms? And why were they fighting when they came together as a a church? Well, it's this. Like, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not these desires that you have within you, you want and can't have, right? And, like, that's the nature of the beast. And so part of living in a community of people in the church means laying down what we want, to seek the needs of others. It's a manifestation of the love that we've already talked about. Mm. But there's a reason he commands it here at the end of the letter. He says like, this is part of what makes a church function. And we have to remember that as well. So this idea of submissive service. And then lastly, and this one's practical too, this idea of expressive hospitality. You know, these churches are greeting each other and he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And we go, that's really, really weird.
0: That is weird. But it isn't.
1: You know, I mean, like, and it's, it, contextually, it wouldn't have been weird for them. That's right. And it's no different than like, a, I mean, I get it. You know, hugs are weird for some people. Yeah. They have a big bubble. And I I find one of my favorite passages to go to on that theme is, is in Romans 15. And I find this text so, so helpful when it comes to just practically what does this look like? How do we, how do we show each other hospitality? How do we greet each other? In hmm. Romans 15, verses 1 through 7, Paul writes here, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's relevant in light of 1 Corinthians. Let yeah. each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Now we're in love again. Okay. For Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in formal days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, okay, in light of that incredible doxology that we just read, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. It's so practical. It's just like accept each other. That's right. Like it is. It is so easy in the church Mm. to break into these cliques, and it is so easy in the church to ignore each other, and it's so easy in the church to be like somebody else will greet that person, somebody else will welcome that person, somebody else will make sure that person doesn't feel awkward. Yep. But like that's not the that's not what we're called to do. Your path. Yeah, I was gonna. Mm -hmm. The fit team will welcome them, or the pastors will welcome them, or somebody will welcome them. Well, if you don't welcome them, you're missing an opportunity to be. I mean, think about Ephesians 4 in light yeah. of this. Or yep. Ephesians 2, excuse me. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance that we should walk in them. <laughs> like, think about that. Like the the God of yeah. the universe, the sovereign over all of creation mm-hmm. has brought this person and dropped them in your lap and they've walked into the service and, and he's you going, go I'm, I'm ready for you to way. welcome them. Yeah. Come on, get on it. You know, and you're yeah. like, no, nah, I'm sure the pastors will do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just. That's that's a humbling thing to consider, that, and we tend to think, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. It, like, it could be life changing for someone. It really is. Yeah. It really is a really critical thing for many people. Um, so I know that's a really long dialogue, but especially those five priorities, I just I found myself going, we didn't get to detail that quite as yeah. much as I would have liked to on Sunday. No, morning. I
0: appreciate that. So. I'm glad you went through that. And there's so much application in what you just said. And now yeah. it's, can we submit ourselves to doing it? Sunday. You're going to wrap up that last little spot for us. I can say with more
1: confidence than I did last week that I will be able to get through all four (laughs) verses. Good,
0: good, good. And I believe you said last uh, podcast that then on this particular Sunday, you're also going to recap Corinthians,
1: First Corinthians. You're
0: going to kind of go
1: all the yeah. way through it. Yeah, that's the game plan. It's, it's intriguing to see how Paul wraps up his letter. It's just four verses, but there's there's at least five components. Paul Paul greets them again personally. He writes the last section. He gives kind of a warning as far as let him be accursed, this idea of anathema. He, he goes back to the resurrection, our Lord come. Then he issues this kind of blessing... The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And then he expresses his love again for them. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. And I love how that kind of frames up Paul's tenor, his his temperature for the whole book. Mm-hmm. You know, I would encourage our listeners to go back and read those four verses. And and if you want to, go back and read 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, his introduction, and then read his conclusion okay. and consider everything that's come in between it. Hmm. Because in his introduction and his conclusion, he really lays out the key to understanding the whole book and all of the chapters that lie in between it. And and what we'll be considering on Sunday as we'll look at his conclusion, his salutation to the church, is basically what is 1 Corinthians all about? You know, what does Paul yeah. see as the primary issue and what does he see as the primary cure mm-hmm. for this arrogant, divisive, splintered church?
0: And what did Faith Bible Church learn in all of it?
1: I, I would hope that after we've spent a few months that people <laughs> will be going, oh, yeah, I remember some of those things. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah well, this even, has been a good study. You just
0: did a quick flyover here a few minutes ago, and I go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so.
1: like there's a there's a plan to these things, you know yeah. it's like you know, when they write these things, sometimes we when we break it down into sections yeah. and we haven't studied the first few chapters, you know, for six months or whatever it's been, we tend to lose sight of what those first few chapters were about. But Paul has a unifying theme. He has a goal in mind when he writes this letter, and we're going to try and revisit that on Sunday.
0: can't wait. And then the following Sunday after that, we have our 30th anniversary celebration.
1: There we go again, and I've I've started studying a little bit for that. I've got I got two messages, <laughs> not 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 you know 80 minutes worth of message, but I've got <laughs> I've got two opportunities. So we're gonna split it up. Yeah. It's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to it. It's
0: gonna be a great morning. And then just listeners, just to remind you, after the service, immediately following, there's just gonna be a fellowship time. We're gonna have some bagels and some coffee, and so the whole morning is just dedicated to celebrating God's faithful hand on Faith Bible Church from that very first prayer meeting to where we are today. Amen. So that is on April 30th. And Pastor Brad, I can't wait to wrap up Corinthians next week.
1: It'll be good. I'm looking we, forward to we it. We have to
0: hold you to it because we have the 30th. So I was
1: going to say, I've got <laughs> so like, no to be done. So like, there's no way to drag it out another week.
0: That's right. Even though Paul had to write to them again.
1: <laughs> That's true. And I have been asked if we're going to go do 2 Corinthians <laughs> yeah. at some point. No, yeah. not in the near future. Yeah. Maybe yeah. at some point we'll come back to it.
0: Yeah. We'll see how we did with the first book. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap.